Okay, hi everyone. Welcome to the Vocal Code podcast. Thank you for joining us on our last one. And today, as always, I'm joined by... <laughs> <laughs> I'm here as I... It's like I live next to Adatone. I don't have any home to go to. I'm just always right by your side. Oh my God, I'm literally leaving all of this in. Hello. <laughs> um, <laughs> Katie, hi, how are you? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, well, it is currently very sunny and yeah, enjoying the summer, actually, just having a nice time, just being in the fresh air. I'm not outside right now, I'm inside, but um, yeah, I'm very well, thank you, my love. How are you today? Yes, I'm good, actually. I've, I've enjoyed the heat. Um, I was kind of locked away inside working, but it was nice. I feel like I've got a tan indoors, but it's it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> So good. Um, today we are being joined by um, lovely Lucinda Allen, who is a vocal coach. Um, she's more than that as well. She is um, the head of vocals at ICMP. Um, she has a lot of um, experience, um, technical experience as well, working with varied voices and vocalists. Um, and teaching at ICMP, um, it's lots of varied types of students that she works with so we just wanted to speak to her and get a bit more insight into what she does um, her vocal working environment um, and see how we get on so hi Lucy how are you hello I'm good thanks what a pleasure love to be with you ladies I like (laughs) joining us (laughs) (laughs) okay well let's let's dive in um what route did you take to becoming a vocal coach? And I'm sure you get this question all the time, but like, where did it start? Did it start from listening to voices on TV or radio and go, oh, this is interesting, how are they making that sound? Like how, you know, what inspired you? Yeah, um, I've got kind of two main stories that one's slightly more embarrassing than the other. Um, but the, the, I'll start with the embarrassing story. But I was, <laughs> I was in this like very hilarious like James Bond show when I was a bit younger and there was one of the singers in the show who was singing from Russia with Love and it was such a weird moment for me where he was like in the wings like off stage and was like panicking about this high note at the end of a song and he was like Luce I I don't know how to do this note And and I in my head I panicked I was like I don't know but I really wish I did I wish I could help you know how to do that that was kind of the first moment sort of you know pirouetting across the stage in lycra and thinking I was being more interested in like that conversation I just had with that guy rather than trying to get my dance moves right um and the second story is uh when I was at jazz college I um you I'm sure some of you guys would know about like being in those rooms kind of like one next to the other paper thin walls and at music college everyone was practicing and doing their thing and I got to know some amazing singers um and unfortunately, one of them had um, had nodules. And um, at the time, like, we kind of didn't know as much um, as a kind of singing community about um, about nodules. Um, certainly, I didn't at that time. And um, she was told sort of strange things by her vocal coach, like to sing through the pain. And um, I could hear her crying at night from like the sensation and the kind of frustration with her voice and just trying to comfort her. And again, thinking... I wish I just knew like why is this happening to people like why is why is it she's got them and I don't and what's going on differently and you know is that the right thing to say to someone it just didn't sit well with me um so I just got curious and um I went in to do a teacher qualification 
um, after I finished my music degree and um, and there isn't really a way of like at that time of kind of studying to be a vocal coach I just kept going to conferences and kept reading and kept going to workshops and just digging 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 till I got answers that I felt kind of sat a little better um, and that's how I really got into it and over the last 10 years I've kind of been crafting that. Mm, amazing okay I love that. <laughs> that's so interesting because we the three of us met obviously fairly recently actually um because we obviously all work in the music industry um so it's really lovely to be able to kind of get a little glimpse into your past Lucy Um, so obviously you 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 studied you got a music degree were you studying jazz is so your background are you are you a singer as well did you sing first and then um obviously as you said you kind of discovered a love of kind of wanting to help and sort of almost like problem solve with other people's voices like what's how would you describe your voice and um I yeah so I I went to um a music college in Leeds which was kind of well known for jazz but I actually did what was the beginnings of a pop degree there and they were sort of trialing this idea of a pop degree and so I was kind of the I guess the first year the guinea pig year but I a lot of my friends there were jazz musicians they were musicians in in Leeds in the music um kind of gospel pop world um and uh yeah I I guess like I yeah I did I gigs I, mean, I did function stuff I was in kind of pop bands that sort of started off and I was in a sort of pop girl opera group for a while and you know charged up and down the M1 and shoehorned into different dresses and all sorts and in the gym like five days a week you know there was like that kind of start uh, sort of experience for me that was my experience and I couldn't help but just kept being drawn into um I knew what my voice was I knew what it could do and I knew it was elastic and I was just more I was just so intrigued in other people's voices like I'd often be kind of arranging things for people or crafting voices together like I loved harmonies I always wanted to be the backing singer I was never really interested in being the lead um, and I think maybe that was just part of my personality of wanting to kind of nurture um, but I went on to study, study a master's where I did sort of the practice of voice and singing and that was essentially like unpacking my voice and unpacking other people's voices and now I just got passionate about you know exploring the limitations and the kind of the excitement in not just my voice but other people so mm. yeah I, I feel like a bit of a chameleon because I work with so many different types of people I just feel like I have to make my voice do and, and match their voice mm. and challenge their voice like I I, I find that the most interesting thing. Mm. And because actually, like you were just saying there, the sort of one of the arts of being an, a fantastic voice teacher or voice specialist is that you can use your voice almost like as a, as a language to kind of demonstrate with your students and say, look, this is what, this is what I'm hearing you're doing. Yeah. Um, in, in, my, in my vocal study, I, I had a, uh, an amazing lesson. It was a bit of a turnaround moment for me, but... I remember specifically the coach I was working with saying to me, because I was, I was training as a singer and I was training to be a vocal coach myself. And I remember him saying to me, you might struggle because when your voice is already set up quite well and you haven't had the, the trauma or the root of vocal ill health, sometimes it's difficult for a coach to be able to like understand how to fix stuff when you haven't necessarily had to fix stuff yourself yeah you say that was similar for you um I think I think what's gone in my favor I'm not saying this in a preachy way but I just like I'm a massive empath like 
if someone's sad I feel it I feel it I feel all of it and that's obviously a blessing and a curse but um, I feel like for vocal coaching that's that's super important to be able to meet someone where they are mm-hmm. um, and and it's not about me it's not about me showing off what my voice can do it's it's like what do you need I'm going to come to you and then together we're going to explore that but yeah I think I think it is about the why like why you're doing it and if you're a nurturing person and you you know you can you can do that I think it's when we start to kind of wear the I remember one person saying to me years ago like we shouldn't wear the mantle as a coach like it should be getting what the other person like we're at their service mm-hmm. you know? um That's interesting yeah I don't know if that answered your question but I kind of went yeah yeah, absolutely 100% yeah it's a great question actually because I think one thing that put me off as a vocalist having a vocal coach is I just hadn't found somebody that could kind of do what I could do even at a basic level it was they'd done all the study and they could scientifically dissect my voice but then you know they weren't able to to guide me as to how to fix things or so it kind of just put me off the whole thing and I just thought mm-hmm. oh, what's the point in vocal coaching I could I might as well just find my mm-hmm. own way but actually mm-hmm. listening to you both I guess it's about searching isn't it it's not like you wouldn't just go to any gym you know yeah. do your research and 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 find what works for you yeah and I think a lot of people say like especially working with ho- higher profile artists they're like why are you working with them they've got an amazing voice and it's like yeah but actually like what they want from me is not for me to teach them how to sing in tune crikey no like they know how to do that that's why they've had number ones or whatever but it's more about them maintaining Mm -hmm. that like incredible athletes have coaches to maintain that um and continue to explore the micro movements of growth because it might not be such big kind of changes and also the challenges of like tour and playing instruments and singing it's just kind of having another pair of eyes so that that person doesn't get so within themselves that they can't see from the outside I sometimes just feel like I'm an extra mirror and an honest voice Um, and I'd I'd love to touch on on the style versus technique thing with you Lucy but it just in in like preparation for that um I what do you find particularly with um like you said higher profile artists who have clearly got their uh sound or style however you want to label it and it's almost like you don't necessarily want to mess or interfere with that but fundamentally when they're with you in the room they're actually just reinforcing this this of the safety and the technique to support what they then go and do on stage so it's not you're not taking away their style or their Mm. unique sound but you have to kind of go back to the the foundation and say right this is how we're just going to keep it solid you know and it's one of the things obviously on on the like when you hear about somebody so I I heard about you long before I met you and it was because you know we're we're singers so um and being that I've coached myself I do I I sort of I I was very aware because the work that you've been doing has was starting to sort of speak for you and you know just the the way of being able to deliver the, the technical support but also like you said being the empath and mm. a great vocal coach is being able to just kind of with your demeanor and just really understand like you say and treat everybody like the individuals they are and um mm. I, I would love to know like 
you might not be able to put it in a in a simple answer but like do you study or do you teach a particular method or did you train in a particular method and then dissect everything and make your kind of like best bits like yeah that's such a good that's such a big question isn't it for like for coaches and also singers going to coaches but um yeah I mean I started off like classical training you know being like hitting the stomach if my diaphragm wasn't working and you know stuff like that which you kind of in good faith go along with you know you're like this person is you know like the white coat syndrome thing like you I have someone in authority in front of me doing this therefore it must be right and I was always such a curious child like my my dad almost had to be like take her away she's asking too many questions and I'd just be there going like why 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 (laughs) I think you know that kind of got the better of me when I went to um study voice further because I just wanted to keep knowing why but for me the heart of it was like I'm, I'm not a doctor you know I'm, I'm a creative and um, everything I've done has come from like having creativity at the heart of it so I think that's the thing to remember is like yes we can go and learn all the techniques and we can know where parts of the anatomy are but we have to connect that to like the reason why we're wanting to do that with the thyroid cartilage or the sternocline why is that important about that sternocline mastoid well let's just work out why you're making that sound what's the story so yeah I did go on to after classical technique I went to um, look at um, a a still model which is looking much more heavily at um, anatomy which is really useful Um, but there's still like kind of gaps in the knowledge I just felt like over time I was just finding a new piece and slotting it in um, and not just to my story my voice but also like other people's and as I was doing that I was seeing generally what kind of pieces fit together for different people and um then I I went the work I'm looking at more recently at the moment is all around breath um in a breakthrough I had a few years ago was really looking at you know that fundamental of breath like what does that actually mean um and challenging like old thought processes we might have been and still are saying to people um does that actually work and like I I say that to my clients all the time. I'm like, how does it feel? How does it feel? How does it feel? Because there's no point me saying, well, this is the newest research and it makes sense and it must work for you. And it's like, might not that. Mm -hmm. And it might not be that the actual technique isn't working. It might be the word I'm using. So some, I heard someone say um, a few years ago that they were told off in a certain institution for saying, um, allowing the student to say metallic, that they were describing the sound they were making as metallic and they were told off and told to tell the student that it wasn't metallic it was twang it's like if that word works for that person like let's let's enjoy the language so it's about and that's why I love studying teaching because it's about how we communicate and I think some people get caught up with which method they're doing and actually for me it's about the delivery Mm -hmm. less about yes we should all know the latest techniques because we do that that's our um promise as a coach is that we know we know as much as we can know and then it's about how we transfer that uh, which i think's the most important part because mm. let's be honest twang is just as nebulous <laughs> as <laughs> yeah but that's that pattern still apparently that person had an incredible sound that was working p- perfectly for the thing they were doing but it's just because of protocol and it's like no it's not about the protocol it's not about the coach it's about the singer um so yeah at the moment the breathing coordination work that I'm doing in Switzerland for me like it's all centered um it's around the the client the student so it's it's away from ego 
um, there is no ego attached to it um, and the the center around the work is like I am at your service and that's not meant to be in a weak way it's meant to be that's that's the way I work um, I think it's beautiful like it's really around yeah. the mind the body the breath it's all gels together lots of things that I've worked out that work really well over the last 10 years that's that's great it's really great so that was a bit, of like, that. <laughs> bit of a rant <laughs> oh, that's great no, it's, it's actually really refreshing to hear that because there's um there are a lot of people that don't focus on the performance side the performance side is 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 so much more it's not that it's more important but like why can't they be hand in hand you know oh, totally, yeah and enjoy can enjoy what they're what they're doing like you know katie yeah. and i we are as backing vocalists we have to emulate different voices Mm-hmm. Um, and you know there might be times where we might have to compromise vocally mm-hmm. you know sometimes to, to, to reach a note or to get a sound or or whatnot um but yeah at the heart of it we're creative I'm, in that instance mm-hmm. I'm not thinking oh my gosh I need to drop my larynx to get this. it's just happening mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so actually the coaching should be an assistant to that so that you know mm-hmm. when you are creating sound you're like oh this feels a bit oh okay I know why you know rather than yeah. kind of oh I must sing it in this way for every single thing that I do yeah for us every project is different you have to sound like different people so I totally agree and it's like you know when some people say oh I don't know whether to be using like a a thin light sound there or a belty sound or a chesty sound whatever word they use um and then the first rather than being like right cool we're going to do this vocal exercise sometimes it's just nicer to be like what's the sentiment oh well they're basically like hushing a baby to sleep I'm like well would you shout at it (laughs) and they're like no and I'm like well why would you belt that note then like you know it's kind of mm. like, let's bring it always back to the story and the creativity and I think that's the language that we want to speak anyway rather than like thyroid cartilages and tongue roots and like yes like useful but like we have to remember why we're all doing it mm. in the first place mm. <laughs> because like you said that's for you to know and then when the the artist or the singer whoever is your client is on stage they're not going to be thinking about the thyroid cartilage they're going to be thinking about the sentiment of what they're saying yeah yeah Yeah, exactly yeah Yeah, we bury the technique and the story is at the heart of it but yeah we have to we have to I say like ping pong our focus between technique and story and eventually you find that perfect little balancing point um but yeah, I think that that's so important. We have so much like technique, 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 and then we forget to bridge it back into the song. Mm. So you, you get people being like, I've got all these vocal exercises. I'm like, cool, how does that one help that song? And they're like, I don't know. I just mm. have been told to do the vocal exercise. And it's like, but we need to like gel it together. Mm. We found that with um, auditions, when we were running the vocal code auditions, I don't know about you, Katie, but you can tell the ones who are just singing with, technique and no feeling or mm-hmm. or sense of performance at all and it's mm-hmm. like oh okay yes technically good but just no soul or no life mm-hmm. or they just haven't expressed the song the way it's supposed to be maybe it's been too loud in places and it's like what are you listening to you're just mm-hmm. singing you know mm-hmm. and it's a bit it's a bit weird for us so there's many people that audition and unfortunately don't get through because of that because the job is to tell the story you can always, it's like when you listen to someone, you can't connect with them. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, why is that? And usually it is just because of the way they've told their own version of that story. And you don't, you know, yeah. I don't know about you, but I, I switch off and I go, yeah, that was all right. 
million trillion runs that's cool but I just have no idea what you what what you're singing about no. no there's this lovely phrase um if you don't see it we don't see it and you know when you know when some people are like singing it's like and I'll ask them and I'll be like so where are you and they're like in a room with you and I'm like okay well then I don't need to ask anymore because you weren't at all in the story of you know whatever it is you were talking about so I think if you see every single like moment like where that person is where in proximity like you see every part of the story and that, that can be in such a subtle way then we we see it too and I, I think people get so hook, hooked up on the technical I think you're re really right about that mm -hmm. then we just don't care really do we we're like okay lovely but <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna just put my opinion out there just in case anyone listening is like whoa hold on a second this is just my popped into my brain so I love theatre, but I am not a theatre singer. And I say I'm not because I've never trained in that. I respect that discipline and that is not my, my background. The one thing that just is like, always feels like it's lacking for me when I see 90% of shows that I see is like you, you have these singers who are trained and accomplished but they're not necessarily the type of voices that would really get, give me goosebumps. And it's probably because they're acting rather than bearing their soul out there on the stage. And that's not to say that everybody does that. But I remember, I remember working in New York and I went to see The Colour Purple um, with uh, Cynthia Revo in it. Oh, wow. Literally the, the, the overture started and I was crying like straight away. And I don't really cry at, funny enough, you know, I don't cry that much um, when I'm watching shows or musicals or whatever, but it had me in tears. And it was because it was that perfect balance of, mm. obviously it was my cup of tea, but it was just, they were selling their story, mm. but they were showcasing their art and the fact that their technique was on point. Mm. But just it, for me, it was like the best thing I'd ever seen on stage because it was the perfect blend of the two coming together. And I was like, oh, oh this is what I, I miss. Um, and I wonder whether sometimes, you know, perhaps in theatre, we do get a bit stuck in, you know, just kind of nope, like this, ABC, off we go, rather than letting the artist like embellish it. And yeah. um, I remember when uh, I went to see Wicked on in the West End, and it was just shortly after they decided to, to switch to the British accent. Mm -hmm. It was really odd, because the singer who came on as Glinda in the bubble on like her first scene, she was almost sharp because everything was, you know, <laughs> I was like, uh, <laughs> can still sound, you know, like you can still pronounce the off. Yeah. Yeah. Like America. It just, so I'm going off on a major tangent, but um, yeah, that was, I don't even know what, what made me start talking about that. I just, <laughs> it's so interesting. Cause I, I think, that is the perception as well of pop singers, isn't it? Because that's the one thing I notice. I'll get quite a lot of musical theatre graduates who sort of, they finish their third year and they're out with their agent auditioning. And, you know, most of the time they're asked to sing a pop song. And so you've got lots of musical theatre performers singing pop. And then I feel like I'm the naughty one because they'll be like, you need to please help me know how to this sound, you know, poppy, because they'll come in and they'll sing it like a musical theatre performer. And I'm like, right. You need to drop this. You need to creak this. You need to like, you know, do fry this, do like, all these different things to, and I, and I, I think they feel like I've gone in and just like destroyed their three years of like perfect training. But that is the center of it. I think is that 
when they start doing that and unpacking it, they're like, oh, this feels a bit more real now. And I'm like, yeah, because in real life you do go, uh, and, uh, you know, you do make those sounds. Um, and in pop, we're almost given a bigger color palette, I think, which makes it more authentic and more real. So, I mean, that is just my opinion. I'm sure someone might disagree, but um, yeah, I do think, you know, actually giving I think sometimes musical theatre performers feel like they've got a bit naughty when they sing a pop song because it's not so like you said sort of in these boxes do this this and this um but I do think that's a positive when we're starting to bring pop singers pop characteristic um you know this sort of songwriter singing from here rather than it being projected to like a story a character mm-hmm. um but I think we need to meet in the middle I think we also need to get musical theatre performers feeling like you know that is them like connecting to the truth of the emotion rather than you know there must be a middle place somewhere and and this actually I I mean this is probably a perfect time to talk about the style versus technique we've kind of been covering it actually unknowingly but because I I feel that with my voice my technique is something that I work on with my coach or coaches in my own time sometimes on my own and actually I use it as like we mentioned before going to the gym, maintaining our health, keeping ourselves physically fit and strong and healthy. I don't necessarily go on stage and suddenly think about where my larynx is and how my, my tongue is sitting in my mouth and where my lips are sit, are going. And I don't even think about vowels. I just allow myself to do it knowing that the technique is instilled and it's almost like my my backbone of my voice so yeah. I've trained behind the scenes and then I come on stage and that's when I get to kind of deliver yeah would you say that's something that you I mean obviously as a coach you must come across that style versus technique thing so much and people who want to just do technique some people who just find it really hard to come away from the style of their voice and it's funny actually I had a, a client um uh yesterday who was saying to me I don't know whether to just he's a songwriter to just let my voice out as it is or to kind of craft it into something else um is that kind of what you're asking is like when when do we have it as it is and when do we affect affect Mm. like for someone like yourself especially when you want to feel like you've got a really successful lesson with somebody you almost have to be I I imagine brave enough to say, yeah, that what you're doing there is actually a little bit of a hindrance on what we need. For now, we need to make this our goal, which might be reaching a higher note or making that note sound richer or deeper. Um, But what you're choosing to do on it is perhaps a stylistic choice, which is not making that very easy. Like take people away from their comfort zone, unpick them, reintroduce them and then let, let them redecorate afterwards (laughs) exactly it's almost like I think the deal I sort of set from the start is I mean we're not necessarily out in black you know sort of black and white like that but I kind of um I I just sort of have this philosophy that if we can create a clean clean tone um you know there's there's a methodology or a thought of um of primal sound which are the sounds you know that we make um right from birth and they're in you know that then what is special about them is that they can be repeated like crying or wailing um even yelling so i think bringing people back to that primal sound first like if we can say cool you want to make that sound but let's just make it clean and close to its most um sort of original 
primal sound and then let's shift it a bit and towards the stylistic change you want to make um, and how did that feel okay it felt a little pinchy okay let's go back to the primal sound let's move it a little bit this way oh that felt good cool okay so just moving slightly away from the the center of um primal sound which is that repeatable safe uh mm -hmm. place i kind of i would do it that way i think but um the only time a stylistic choice becomes a problem to me is if it if it doesn't feel good and it's if it's not repeatable yeah because so many people perfect. do a sound in the studio don't they and like pelt out a, a toppy or something and then it comes to tour and it can't be repeated so it's yeah exactly yeah we just bring that key down a little bit um so yeah it's just finding something that works and if, if the purpose is literally to do a one-time recording fine but most of the time we want it we actually want singing to feel good like in the body that's the whole reason most of us started doing it because actually it's like a little massage inside the body mm, definitely because um i mean we we come across it a lot without kind of saying certain artists but you know there are a lot of them that kind of jeopardize their vote their vocal by mm -hmm. creating this sound or mm -hmm. it just becomes so so tense and tight and sounds otherworldly because that's what they've mm -hmm felt like they needed to create a sound different mm. like that, you know it's, but it's to their detriment because all mm. of a sudden they can't sing the keys of the songs go lower someone else has to sing it maybe they end up miming and you know you kind of defeated the whole purpose of of what you're doing so I guess in support of what Katie is saying it's like how do you how do you get someone out of the, the habits if they're so far like if if somebody has recorded their vote their voice you know this is their bread and butter that's what they sound like yeah. but they really do need to just you know what do you do in that situation yeah. I think that actually comes back to what you said earlier you knew you were like saying that what am I going to get from the coach and I think there is a bit of a stigma in the industry that coaches come in and like kind of rip voices apart to make them sound a certain way like maybe maybe it's like the the bel canto technique from from years ago is is the actual translation is voice beautiful so it's around this idea of aesthetic like that is beautiful that is not beautiful but actually we don't really have any right to say whether something's beautiful or not it's a sound um mm. but i think the way to approach it is to know to separate the difference between someone's voice and someone's identity and i think if you go in there with the agenda or it feels like your agenda is to change their voice some people can feel like you're trying to change them and um, I'm really careful to not do that and kind of work with them. So if I will often just say, like, how how does that feel when you make if there's a sound where I'm like, mm, I'm not sure how safe that is. I'll ask them how it feels. And if they can honestly say to me, it feels good and they've been doing it for years, like, let's not change something that's not broken. But if there's even a glimmer of something like oh, it didn't actually feel that good, I'll say, cool. What if we could make that sound, but it feel good? And most times Ten, nine times out of ten people are like sold they're like cool if we can do that I'm up for that because we want it to feel good so I think it's just the way you approach it um not changing identities or you know unique selling points but just the way we approach it mm. that's fantastic that's really good yeah. uh, so for obviously um you've worked with some incredible voices and you know loads of different types of voices um and one of the questions we would we wanted to ask you was um like who who have you worked with vocally that's really intrigued you um and also like has anybody inspired you to like find some new solutions or sent you on a little path thing oh, i want to figure out how to do that or how's that working 
Um, yeah, I mean, pro probably, I mean, it's a bit of a clanger, but um, Layla Hathaway is probably the most, I mean, she's one of the most inspirational voices um, to me, but also she, she, uh, she really challenged me because there's this kind of expectation of like, what would you do with a five times Grammy award winner? You know, it's like, okay. Um, and, you know, she, she went to Berkeley. She's had 25 years of um, coaching plus all of her career on on top of that and um it's kind of it was a sort of pressure of how do you work with a voice that so many people think is like perfect and um I guess for for me it was just getting to like know a little bit of her what was her motive to to want to kind of explore her voice more and um the thing that's really beautiful about her is that she is the um center of what we've been talking about there about blending emotion and story and technique and um you know she makes sounds based on what she hears around her so she'll hear like we were joking once that she could hear the air conditioning system and she was kind of mimicking it with her voice <laughs> and um <laughs> I know, I know. Like, wow. how do I work with that um but you have to work <laughs> with that you know I can't just go come along and spout all my terminology at her she's just going to put up a brick wall but um, she's really interesting because she is, um, is is known for the Snarky Puppy video where she does uh, multiple pictures at once. Mm. Um, and it's really interesting to begin with. She, I was like, oh, Layla, let's do a little scope and see what you're doing. That would be really cool. And she was like, nah, that sounds really scary. And then um, after a while, she became more and more intrigued about like what was going on and so many people were asking like how does she do it and then we spoke again and we were like wouldn't it be really nice just to not focus on the technique not have this big kind of online I could see forums of like how is she doing this and actually people were going to gigs to watch her do this thing it's like you shouldn't be going to a gig to watch Leila Hathaway sing two notes at the same time you should be going to watch her express the most beautiful story um and she she was really cool to work with and continue to work with because she just wants to grow. She's so incredible, knows her instrument, but she still continues to want to grow. And that, I think, when something is so expert um, is knowing where I fit in. Like, what can I do if I can do one thing? I was talking to um, Vula Malinga about this. And um, again, she's another amazing vocal athlete. But I was like, if there's one tiny thing that I can give to you to make, your voice lasts forever and you'd be able to share that then like I will like that's that's the part of it not interfering with stuff that kind of works even though some of the sounds you're like crikey how does that feel great cool let's keep doing that and let's find things that we can play with so yeah um I'd probably say someone like um Layla playing with kind of those sort of different complexities and in, in dual sounds and um and being a part of growing a voice that appears to be already perfect. <laughs> mm. When you said scope, did you mean literally looking down her throat or? Yeah, so camera up the nose <laughs> and then dangled over that. Well, you can go through the mouth, but uh, a little camera dangling over the cords and you can, you can see basically if people have vocal problems or I wondered if you'd frozen then because you were just like, <laughs> we're like, what? Uh, I was like, oh, she's frozen. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, my mouth was open. I was like, I've never, I've never been scoped. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. No, I, I and that's fascinating. 
so so obviously uh, in terms of your coaching then so you literally will have the ability to say to your student right we need to get uh, either we need to get you scoped is that the right way of saying yeah, it? yeah you can say um, or let's just do it because it'd be interesting so what do you do do you just kind of like book yeah so I have like various um ear nose and throat cons consultants that I connect with um it's definitely not something I would do although right. they're on, Lie down on the bed <laughs> no absolutely I think it's really important to know when your expertise end and someone else's begin um although there are dodgy videos online I think with people with iPhones trying to do um stuff. yeah that's a whole thing to google anyway but um yeah but if I if I feel like I mean it's really tricky that the sort of guidelines by the British Voice Association, British Voice Association, that's hard, um, are if your voice sounds different for more than two weeks to explore that with your um, GP. So go to your GP and get a referral, especially if you're a professional singer, you know, say I'm a professional singer, it's my income mm. um, and um, I'd like to be scoped. I mean, you can pay for it, of course, privately to just double check, you know, just for your own peace of mind. But um, if you do it through the NHS, there really has to be kind of like a particular reason like your voice has changed or discomfort. Um, but, you know, a lot of the time I'll see that it'll be sort of muscular um, rather than necessarily things on the cords. And um, I worked with Physio Ed Medical for the last nine or 10 years um, and he uh, and his team work on vocal massage. So quite a lot of the time it's muscular rather than um, at the cords themselves interesting because you have been studying a lot to do with the the body mm -hmm. yeah yeah and that connection so that's always interesting so how you know that that kind of muscular kind of tightness mm. like what why do you you know what are the potential kind of negative effects that it can have on on the voice um it's it's kind of amazing that the what we sort of think is the voice we think that it's kind of like this area here maybe a little bit up here in the mask or the kind of filter area but um the work that I've been looking at with um Robin de House in Switzerland it's just beautiful but it's all about the whole body in, in total so I don't know if you guys knew this but if you're locked in your legs you're actually locked in your airflow which therefore affects your voice so sometimes it could be actually like a, a locking in your in one or two of your legs that are affecting how you're voicing um, and we can spend hours doing all these vocal exercises being like why is nothing changing and it might actually be that you know you've got um, one of your psoas muscle on one of your legs is really tight maybe you stand on one side when you sing with your microphone or you sit cross-legged on one side or you've had an injury um, and you know how all of that coordinates really affects what happens right here so if the body's tight underneath your vocal cords then we build up a huge amount of um, pressure which then puts pressure on what we do here um, but if the body's released we get a really beautiful steady flow of air and a coordination between the body and the voice and then your voice can not only work like if you went to the GP they kind of fix your arm so it kind of works but actually what we want to do as vocal athletes is have everything working optimum so not just working but working like an athlete at its best um, so it's just finding out little things like the history of the body, like maybe you've had a little car, like you had a car crash or something has impacted you and the way that is held is going to affect the way the air moves um, throughout the body, basically. Um, it's so interesting because I always say, or I always feel like fitness and just my physical being, mm -hmm. if I am not in good shape, I've always found my voice is always a bit 
yeah 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 i'm not i'm not i'm not available today at the time yeah. <laughs> a few down dogs or something you know yeah. <laughs> it's so important to just check in with that like I, I, it was a bit of a joke for a while that people would say to me that like, oh, you do quite short warm-ups and most of my warm-up is um i probably say like 60 percent of it is physical stuff um because if we get that bit right and then <clears throat> work out the air how the airflow is working in the middle then your actual vocal warm-up can be quite short um i think when people do really long vocal warm-ups it means something underneath isn't working efficiently um so i'm really passionate about that and i've i've seen it like people scare themselves on over um on the screen over the last few months going like ah with by their voice because of something we've released or i've got them to release mm. it um just really gentle and using visualization as well yeah. i'm so glad you said that because like if i've got to do like a massive recording or something like that i usually work out beforehand yeah exactly. i'll work out yeah. i'll stretch i might do i might you know kind of blow some raspberries and that's yeah. enough yeah and i always used to feel guilty i always used to kind of like sit with certain people and be like they've been warming up for like the past hour yeah you're like, people uh-huh. go, well you know what do you do and I'm like it's really I just keep things really simple yeah um so I actually it's so interesting to know that that is actually okay and yeah like totally. you say the voice isn't separate it's not like you know a separate entity where you just kind of lock it in it's inside your body so actually mm. having that mind-body connection to make it all work and looking after everything makes sense to the sound so it's totally. not just it's not just aesthetics you know when we say look after yourself and be in shape and look good and feel good, mm-hmm. it's not just because of the job or because they need you to be a size eight. It's so that you can perform. It would be so wrong to interfere with that as well. Like if you've got things that are working and that's, I think the part of like when you, like it's so important to see someone before you start working with them and charging off. Cause if I started giving you like certain exercises that just didn't work with what you were already doing, like that's so dishonoring to what you've found works for you already so it's kind of slotting in um to what you already find works I think yeah and I would say um you know I've obviously had the honor of working with Adatone yourself for Mm. many years and I've always admired your just constant just preparation like you're always so mindful it's almost like yeah when if, if, I, if I was to see Adetone on a gig it's not like she's been sort of warming up in the car frantically trying to get ready for that day it's like I know her I know what she's she takes her health and fitness very seriously she's always nurturing and pre- preparing and and it's so lovely to to know that that's you know that's what we should all be kind of aiming for it's like just respect your your whole self in preparation for what's going to come because then you're not going to be going ah, and and thus less likely to run into problems surely because we're not suddenly going crash you know like oh I went over over the top on that particular session mm-hmm. bearing in mind we're all li- sort of living through a pandemic hopefully slowly walking towards the uh, end of the tunnel but I did a uh, a choir session a week ago and honestly it was like my voice suddenly went, oh, hello, okay. And I actually felt felt like I um, was, was quite tired as I was do- vocally quite tired through the session. And it was because I have not been doing that over lockdown. I've really s- slipped into sort of bad habits of just, oh, you know, I'm not living at home at the moment, so I won't work out and blah, blah, blah. And it, it really does affect your whole self. So I love that 
enforcing so anybody listening you know this is what we're talking about in order to be at your optimum optimum mm. and this is the best time like anyone that's got any sort of vocal um concerns that they think especially if you've had it diagnosed and you've got a routine of things in place or you just feel like your voice isn't working at its optimum this is the best time because once we do you know fingers crossed go back to what you know gigging and that kind of thing that is the time when the old habits are going to come back so you can use this time to set some really good habits so they're really embedded because otherwise I'd do a session with someone and then that evening they'd go and do a gig and it's quite very close proximity like old habits new habits so now we just we can really embed that mm. it's really important I think to get a good routine in now obviously Adetone mentioned this before about your the work that you do with ICMP oh yeah and obviously uh, yeah I'd love to know more about um like the current climate in the education sector for you as a vocal coach like the type of people that are coming up and the type of students you're seeing um do you audition people at ICMP what's what's the protocol for getting on a course or you know being under someone like yourself at ICMP as a student yes yeah um yeah so people come and have an uh, audition depending on what um course it is whether it be they want to do more sort of session virtue I say musician approach which actually in itself isn't really happening anymore but more kind of um really focusing in on being a vocalist they might come and audition that way which is a little bit more theory and reading based um or they might audition for um creative musicianship which is them more holistically as an artist or they might come and study songwriting um but all of those in some way have got voice running through um as a tool um so we kind of um depending on what it is they present either their their work as a songwriter they'd um yeah they would definitely audition but what we're also really interested in asking now which is sort of new a new update is you know what do you listen to like what's your daily routine like how do you practice your instrument not just can you do it but what's your mindset um you know are you passionate do you want to succeed um what is your goal um and what your kind of what things do you have in place for resilience and growth like what do you read like asking those kind of questions because um it's kind of okay to get people that are, are good at what they do but we really need people i think especially in the industry now that are innovative and entrepreneurial and have drive so we're kind of making sure we ask the right questions at audition now really interesting mm. what kind of inspired you to or ICMP or you know as a department to to ask those questions like what did you what did you find in the students um I think it's um just knowing how fast the industry is changing and for me I was working with clients and then going back into the music college and working with the students and feeling like something kind of didn't match up um and you know, speaking to clients that maybe have studied or even haven't studied, but um, are working in the industry and being like, I now have realized I need to learn all these things to be able to sort of succeed and grow in this industry. And realizing that we're not, we're kind of offering them, but maybe not in such an explicit way. So I just kind of went back as the carrier pigeon and I was like, by the way, do you know all these people are asking this question? All these songwriters are like, asking for singing lessons now that they've graduated like could we offer that to them yeah cool let's try and build something in at the like the education level rather than like doing what we think the industry needs and then 
quickly trying to pack in some stuff. Um, so now a lot of the students have um, professional portfolios that they work on in, in their third year, which is basically like them building a website, building an EP with the expertise of the team. So they don't just suddenly think I've finished my degree. Oh my gosh, now I need to like get an album together or something. Um, so it's just trying to bridge the gap between their third year and their study and, and into the industry and using coaches that are in the industry and are aware of that, mm. uh, I think, but we're still growing, you know? And then, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is, there is a distinctive gap. Um, we find that when we are, you know, auditioning, it's like, yes, some of them are fresh out of college, but there are, some fundamental skills that they just don't have and it's not necessarily their their fault because they've gone to college to learn how to sing mm -hmm. um but you can't teach how to be in our industry as such you know mm -hmm. you have to have something you have to have something for us to work with initially but it would be really cool to explore ways in the future that the education system and it sounds like icmp are doing that you know trying to find a way to bring the commercial industry into the educational sector um mm, i mean i guess i guess they could benefit from people coming in and we've learned from speaking to some of our um our other colleagues and other guests that you can't cheat experience mm. you know so with that in mind um i guess the challenge is okay if you can't cheat experience and they need the experience you know what other things do you think you could cultivate within their education um that will kind of help them help us <laughs> to be able to find them and you know give them the opportunities as well totally yeah i think like any opportunity i mean bringing you guys into the space is great and and getting people to you know hear obviously they're hearing it repeated by tutors who are working in the industry but then bringing you know new faces in as well to kind of be like this is actually the way it is by the way <laughs> um, um is is a really good way of doing it but also kind of i'm kind of proud of the way that we're now weaving in um we've got a class now which is on kind of um like a tutorial class where they get to think about you know what is success what is failure how do we work together as a team what does it mean to prepare like really challenging these thought processes and weaving weaving them into the to the classes rather than being like an afterthought um, so we go into like emergency, like, oh, I need to survive mode after third year. So, yeah, any opportunity. Um, but I think that has to come as much. I've realised over the last few years we can, there's that saying, isn't there, you can take a horse to water, but um, you can't make it drink. And that has to come from the student. And that's why the interview process is really important. And that's why the question is, uh, that is so important, like, what do you listen to what gigs do you go to mm. what not just like let me hear your song or it's amazing or your voice is amazing like do you actually want to learn do you actually want to grow and do you actually want to meet and spend time and get to know people and you know essentially be a good person because people don't want to go on tour with with people that aren't nice people <laughs> so um yeah just be a good human as well yeah i i think that sounds like some they sound like some brilliant ideas to be brought into the educational system I for one feel like that has been much needed for for many years you know mm. I often find myself giving advice to students who are nearing the end of their educational time and saying you know if somebody was to give you an opportunity say if you were introduced to somebody and a musical director or a band leader or whoever a fixer 
the first thing they need to see or hear is is what you've got to offer so whether it be images links like a showreel like you said a portfolio and in this day and age very a digital portfolio um that's so important because i mean right now with covid and us all living on a very virtual life that that's something that's even more imperative i think now just to kind of be working on that um and yeah i just think that's so refreshing to to hear that that's what's happening it's so needed i think yeah i mean it's just it's trial and error a bit as well just like moving at such high speed as well you know just with with online work and and giving getting people to be accountable like for themselves like you know we can spoon feed through education but i've realized it over the years that just doesn't work um you know when people go oh you know i didn't get that thing it's like oh well it was here for you and you know just not with any malice is not being nasty but just holding people accountable i've done my part you have to meet me in the middle um and um yeah i think it's just us being creative all the time with with building like resilient human beings from the off and yeah that was like um even right down to kind of the basics of of how to like present yourself i remember I first rocked up there um, about four years ago and there was like an LPW workshop class. And I said to the guys, I was like, you know, some of you look a bit scruffy, like you've just kind of come out of bed and you're now singing on the stage with a band. Like you never know who's going to walk in the room. And then I came back the next week and they were all dressed in black with hoop earrings, <laughs> like all the girls. And I was like, guys, like, you've taken it a bit literally now, like be you. <laughs> so it was like, okay, right. Let's just, so it's, I guess it's just, um, again, not, you know working together as um you know equals like I try and be on an equal with them and yeah just um have fun with it as well like you know we laugh even like those students that have, I think they've now graduated we still laugh about that I'm like do you remember the, <laughs> the week yeah. Yeah. I, think, I think fundamentally it's quite hard for us as singers to try and bottle up what what we've done in our career to make our successes or you know, to have come to the point where we're at, we're at now. And I think partly because it's the type of people we are, you know, I certainly didn't come into the industry, you know, thinking, right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a backing vocalist. I'm going to work with this type of singer. I just kind of chiseled away and found myself just walking into these different environments. And this is nice. I like this. Okay. I'm learning from that. And I think that's, that's become you know, I, I like to think that, you know, I love my career. I'm, I'm so, I don't ever feel like I've missed out on being the artist that, yes, I once imagined because I just didn't know that there was this alternative route for myself. And as I've kind of walked through it, I'm like, actually, th- there's a reason why I'm here. This is definitely more preferable for me. Um, and what's lovely is that there are people now coming up out of their studies or perhaps just thinking about what they want to do when they're older thinking oh, I'd love that career so now it's almost like we've created this alternative career choice and so now it's like right okay uh, there is no there is no go-to platform for this so we're almost like collectively just trying to build on that and like you say bridging the gap bringing bringing a sort of a, sort of a step-by-step model of how to walk into an uh, yeah a session career rather than just stumbling into it like we have but um, (laughs) it definitely is the mindset though it's like 
you have to reinvent the wheel you have to keep learning it's like what you were saying lucy about your study it's like just keep digging keep finding out what's going on who's doing what where is it all going on where do i need to be yeah. um but in a very kind of organic not manipulative route yeah. so. Yeah. Those people get found out in the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, like, I think you were saying just then about, um, oh gosh, how uh, the backing singer. Like, I remember so many, like, at the beginning of the journey of my journey, being like, oh, I really want the backing singer. Like, I love blending. I love like supporting and being that kind of like gooey, like lovely mm-hmm. little thing that kind of puffs out of nowhere and makes everyone in the audience go even though they don't realize it um what it is necessarily but like I remember even starting in um with coaching in in like the education sector and people saying oh I don't want to just be the backing vocalist and then and actually physically having to be like do you have any idea how much skill set there is involved in that and and now we actually have classes on backing vocals like how do instrumentalists become like do some backing vocals and how do singers switch hats like what are the different skill sets you need and I think people start to go gosh and that just to me just shows how excellent like you guys are to be able to make it just look so kind of seamless but bury the all of that hard work is like bubbling underneath so I think it is really celebrating the role like those supporting roles that we have in the industry um are I think just we have to celebrate them like and and maybe even not call them supporting roles anymore (laughs) like yeah. yeah Yeah, we're collaborating, aren't we? We're, yeah. We are we are all contributing rather than yeah, it always freaks me out a little bit when, you know, my like my fellow American musicians and singers call themselves background. Yeah. Like, we in the UK very much go down the backing vocal road or the B V mm. road, but they are very much background. And sometimes it's just background, not even background vocalists or background singers with just like, background. Like, <laughs> I'm aware I'm stood you know we've all seen 20 feet from stardom and uh yeah it's so true it's a collaborative process and I think that's why people like us you know myself and Adatone we don't feel like we've compromised ourselves because we're supporting another singer no. this is one element of why we love doing what we do it's mm. it's using our voices we do it for a living I mean and okay there are times when maybe we just don't have the pressure we don't have that expectation. It's almost like we can just do our thing, come back. That was lovely. End of new day. Um, but yeah, I, I I hope that. Oh, it's just oohs and ahs. I hope that mindset is is drifting away. Yes, please, wow. because it's a lot of things. It's like when you said um, earlier, Lucy, that you know the way that you approach your work is I am at your service, mm. and it's very much the same for us. We are at the you know the we are at the artist's service but we're not working for them mm-hmm. working with them we're mm-hmm. collaborating we are supporting you know we have to be extremely empathetic as well if they're not having a good day you know we have to be like okay cool let's let's pick this up you know there's so many things that we do to work with and not for serving mm-hmm. you know offering our gift and our talent mm-hmm. to help you know so then that actually makes us enjoy it it, people become jaded when they look at it from the other standpoint and be like, oh my God, I'm just singing for this person. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe, I guess, if um, these students also have that that sense of empathy as well, that, okay, whatever you're doing, if you're the drummer, bass player, singer, you know, what? why are you giving of yourself to this? 
is like you say it's just changing your mindset like if you tell yourself the narrative that I am I am working for this artist like there's there's almost like a bit of like resentment behind that whereas if you are like I'm working with this like you feel that energy from someone don't you if you're mm-hmm. like oh you're coming into a session with me and like you know or if I'm like I have to work for you as the artist it's like no actually like we're here I'm a creative you're a creative and we're trying to like that's where, where unlocked voice unlocked came from for me is is this idea of like something that's already there and together we are releasing it rather than me giving you and sticking on some like magic pill or gift that you don't have like that's not the way it is so I think it's like igniting something that's there rather than yeah. like creating something you know yeah yeah okay wow thank you so much for joining us that's been like really really um eye-opening you know I've learned a lot today some new time is blown I cannot believe how quickly that went (laughs) (laughs) time flies when you have fun I mean, me and Tony say this all the time. Every episode we've done, we have just, we're so privileged to have access to people like yourself, Lucy. And it's like, we are, we're growing even just by getting an hour with you and with everybody that we've been speaking to. And it's, it's such, especially now, I think, especially now we have the time and the space just to kind of reflect mm. and take a minute to stop. Mm. Um, it's so inspirational and yeah it's just like going back to the drawing board and saying okay you know what what are we doing this for what's it all about let's start let's just re relook recalibrate um and hopefully like you said when we go back to work in more of the usual fashion we'll be in a much healthier mindset and body all those things so thanks so much for your no it's a pleasure and it's so it's such a pleasure to like to share and I think that's one of the for me the best things that have come out of this um situation over the last few months is like it's opening conversations and and sharing and and creating like a opportunity to to keep growing together so yeah I'm up for any of those opportunities bridging gaps and all that I'm totally up for that so I'm really grateful to be asked today so thank you Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for our latest episode of Vocal Code Unlocked. That was Lucinda Allen. Um, Actually, before we we finish, where can people find you? Ah, so um, I'm at Voice Unlocked on Instagram or um, www.voiceunlocked.com on the internet. The website. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.